Yo, 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 welcome to another edition of the Roundball Ramble Podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Ford. You can follow me on Twitter, at CorbinNBA. This is a Sports Ethos presentation, so check out Sports Ethos on Twitter, at Sports Ethos online, sportsethos.com. If you don't know how to spell it, I got you. S-P-O-R-T-S-E-T-H-O-S. A lot of great content there. Make sure to check it out. Today is Wednesday, January the 17th. We are at the middle of the week, middle of the month, but not the middle of the year. And we had some news. We have some news to catch up on. We have some. We had some fun games uh, last night that were good that we'll kind of touch on here. Um, and then we're going to get you on your way here. But let's get into the news first. So this week the NBA announced that the NBA All-Star Game for 2026 will be hosted in L.A. for a record seventh time. But this time it will be a first. And where will it be a first at? The Intuit Dome. Um, this will be the Clippers' home arena uh, starting next season for them. So Sunday, February 15, 2026, um, they will be playing in Los Angeles in the Clippers' home arena. How far have the Clippers gone for the 75th NBA All-Star Game? Um, NBA Commissioner Adam Silver made the announcement uh, this week in a press conference. We was joined by Steve Ballmer, um, Clippers President of Business Operations Gillian Zucker, Los Angeles Mayor Karen Bass, and Inglewood Mayor James Butts. Um, and yeah, this Intuit Dome is set to open August of this year. It's a multi-purpose venue that'll be the new home of the Clippers. Has a record number of um, of toilets, which will be great. Um, Steve Ballmer had a quote here saying, "Quote: We are building Intuit Dome to house and showcase the best basketball players in the world, and we are honored that they will be under our roof for NBA All Star." Along with Inglewood and Los Angeles, we thank the NBA for bringing the league's marquee event to Intuit Dome in 2026. So, that will be definitely interesting to see. Um, NBA, of course, All-Star Weekend is like the mecca, uh, I would say secondary to Summer League, uh, for just NBA talent and writers and content creators all under one roof or or basically in one vicinity. Um, And so, All-Star events will tip off. The Friday 13th with NBA Rising Stars, which is an annual showcase for the top rookie, second-year NBA players. On February 14th, of course, it's the Skills Challenge, the Three-Point Challenge, and AT&T Slam Dunk Contest. And then it all culminates with the NBA All-Star Game on the 15th of February. And in addition to that, the NBA, as they usually do, will host several events for fans of all ages at venues throughout um, in this case, it'll be throughout Los Angeles and Inglewood. You'll have some of the Kia Forum. you have some of the Los Angeles Convention Center. Apparently, the Lakers will be involved in some capacity. Um, but these events, including NBA All-Star Practice, um, the NBA All-Star Celebrity Game, and the NBA All-Star Fan Fest will feature basketball programming and entertainment for people all over. So, that'll be cool. I'm glad that they're going to have it in L.A. Maybe I'll go to that one. That's two years away. Uh, it'll be the first All-Star Game I've ever went to. Um, it'd be cool. We'll see... I mean, you know, the work I put in and all the things that happen, um, maybe folks will that are listening to this will be there. That'll be kind of cool. I, I've never been to an NBA All-Star um, game or weekend, but it just sounds like a blast, and I really would love the opportunity, you know. So we'll see what happens there. But that was news out of L.A. this week. Um, also, by the way, if you're voting, make sure to cast in your All-Star votes for this year. Um because voting ends this Saturday, so get in there. I voted a few times, try to get some agenda folks of mine on the list there. But uh, yeah, make sure to check that out. Um, aside from that, in terms of news, Pascal Siakam is in the news. Uh, Pascal Siakam apparently um, was brought up in an ongoing trade discussion 
between the Toronto Raptors, of course, and the Indiana Pacers. Um, and this is interesting. I mean, Indiana is one of the rumored places for Pascal Siakam to land. I was really a big fan of Sacramento. I know Dallas has been talked about, but in my mind, Dallas just doesn't have the capital to bring to Toronto that they would be interested in. But um, Dallas would be still be a solid fit. Um, in my mind, Sacramento would be great. I think just having a guy who could be the Aaron Gordon for the Kings, play with a spread out offense, be able to bring a lot more um, scoring ability and um, facilitation skills in a big system, uh, playing off of DeMontis Sabonis with shooting around you, I think would really tailor well to Pascal Siakam's game. Because let's be real, Siakam is a very talented player, but he's not a plug-and-play guy on every team in the NBA. Like, very, like there's a finite amount of teams that I think he makes a lot of sense on, and the Kings spelled out perfectly to me. But... Um, Pascal Siakam has also mentioned that, you know, he would only want to resign with the Raptors. And, you know, if you trade for me, there's not a guarantee I'll be back. So just know that before you deal for me. And that might have successfully scared the Kings off, which is a shame. But it does not seem to have scared the Pacers off. And why would it? Their eighth overall pick at power forward has barely seen the floor. Um, their other power forwards have just been inadequate full time to play. And Pascal Siakam, Pascal Siakam would be a good fit for them as well. And so the package that Indiana is proposing, um, that sources told the tell the Athletic, is something concerning Bruce Brown Jr., other salaries you'd imagine Buddy Hield for salary matching, expiring contract, and three first round draft picks. And mind you, those three first round picks are probably some protected, you know. Um, some definitely far off, but some semblance of that seems to be the rumored package. And the Raptors have been engaged in discussion with several teams on a potential deal, but apparently the one with the Pacers have gained the most steam in recent days. Now, mind you, the Athletic, everyone's been quick to say nothing is imminent, but that the talks have been gaining steam. So basically just enough to talk about here, but not enough to actually like build off of. It would be interesting. That much I could say for sure. Um... Siakam's in the final year of his contract. I mentioned that already, $38 million. He's 29 years old, so he definitely would have some leverage. And again, you know, the Pacers are aware of that. But so are the Raptors. If the Raptors ultimately decide not to trade Siakam before the February 8th trade deadline, they could, you know, give an extension to him and, and, and move forward. But the messaging, and I, I said this on the Chase Thomas podcast um, by the time you hear this yesterday, the messaging from the Toronto camp is that, no, he's not going to be a long-term part of our future. So it's kind of confusing because... He's not going to be with us long term, but he's also not going to be traded. Like, I don't get it. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. It almost reminds me of a funny story. In fact, I'm going to share the story. So straight out of high school, you know, going to college, not having money, um, working part time at a library, which I loved. And at the same time, um, I had applied for a few jobs before the library and no one bit library bit. Great. Got the job working there part time. I'd also applied for Walmart. Um, and so Walmart. I'm working there. Oh, I got an interview, and I don't know. I, I whether it was my charm, a great conversation. Bottom line, I was getting paid twenty bucks an hour, um, and this was like literally almost ten years ago, which is crazy. Twenty bucks an hour to push carts, which is like a dream job. Like I've had the Nate Duncan podcast queued up on my um and my mp3 because that's what i was using um i had a whole bunch of them queued up in my mp3 i would literally walk around push carts into you know the correct place for about six hours in the evening and get paid 20 bucks an hour it was an amazing gig i was in good shape i was getting my arms built i was listening to the podcast and talking basketball not talking basketball but listening to basketball which i loved it was great like there was no losing for me um but what happened is uh, the way walmart schedule system worked you would look online 
and it would tell you a schedule four weeks in advance, you know, so I would know two weeks in advance, my exact schedule, how long I'm working, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and then during, like, as it got closer and closer to the new year, all of a sudden I would look on my schedule and I didn't see myself scheduled past a certain week. And I was like, that's weird. Like no one's told me I'm no longer going to be working here, but I'm also not scheduled. And so I'm like, is my time with Walmart done? Like this is the money's been nice. I had some good day nights. You know, I'm eating good. Like I can afford five guys, which has always been expensive. Like I'm doing okay. And so what I ended up doing, hilarious story. I'm not going to share it all here, but my final day, I definitely wasn't on the clock, but no one told me. So I came in and, you know, through some uh, truly funny series of events, was able to get at least another hour and a half of work in um, against Walmart's wishes, which was hilarious. I, Looking back on it, it, it was definitely a, a load of fun. I might share another show, but I digress because Pascal Siakam is me at Walmart right now. Yeah, I said it. He's not on the schedule moving forward. Like, he only sees himself on the schedule for the next couple weeks here, but he hasn't been told that he's no longer there. So it kind of leaves him in this kind of awkward situation. You're no longer going to stay in Toronto. At least that's what the messaging has been. But you're not told that your service is no longer required. So where does that put you? I'm not sure. I definitely hope that there is some traction on a move soon. I definitely want to see Pascal Siakam in a place where, you know, his talents fit well. Um, and you can fully turn over this Toronto Raptors team to Scotty Barnes and Emmanuel Quigley, which is what it seems like Usai Mujiri and the other Toronto Raptors front office staff want to happen anyway. So, like, just make it happen. Rough the band-aid. Like, let it go. Uh, to quote a famous Disney movie quote. Um, but anyways, that, that's my thoughts there. Um, we'll see. Uh, as far as Bruce Brown going there and Buddy Hield, Buddy Hield brings some shooting if he's there for, you know, at least the remainder of the season. Bruce Brown actually kind of helps him at point guard a little bit. Um, a guy who has a team option on his deal next season that Toronto has some flexibility with, but also a guy who can kind of distribute the ball a little bit, play decent defense, you know, be, be a solid plug-and-play guy. Um, not really super great on the shooting, but just be a solid player for Toronto there. So that's all of my thoughts on there. I will have more when a trade actually happens, but as of now, that has not happened, so not a whole lot to talk about on that end. Um, but what I do want to talk about, listen, New Year, New Us, have the energy, need the energy. I'm always tired. I was supposed to go to the gym this morning at 5.30, get some shots up. Uh, editor's note, that did not happen. Your boy got up, washed up, and I'm recording this podcast right now. But, 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 if I had taken my magic mind today, maybe I would have been able to get up to go to the gym this morning. Um, check out Magic Mind, y'all. I have to let you know, it is one of those ingredients, uh, one of those products, ingredients, it has a great ingredients, one of those products that do a great job of giving you energy, reducing stress, and keeping you focused throughout the day without having to have multiple and exorbitant amounts of caffeine, and then the inevitable crash that comes with that caffeine. It tastes pretty good for me. I have always been leery of energy drinks and how they kind of just have that grainy kind of feel or just overly chalky like i've just had bad experience with energy drinks and 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 power bars or whatever you call them but the point being magic mind does not give you that in a small shot i'm able to get everything i need to get up and rearing for the day what i love about it though are the all natural ingredients that they have um in their products that enable you to know exactly what you're consuming which is great 
Um, oftentimes, I can't pronounce what I'm consuming um, for all natural ingredients, but I can tell you <laughs> that it works. And one of the best ingredients in Magic Mind for me is matcha, which contains way less caffeine than coffee, but also contains additional compounds that extend the benefits of caffeine by slowing your body's ability to absorb it all, as well as a compound that also helps to reduce stress. And so these compounds work together like a, like a really good pick and roll. Like a Steve Nash and Mars Stoudemire pick and roll to prevent the spike in cortisol levels and the inevitable crash that comes from ingesting too much caffeine. So if you think about it, matcha is basically nature's extended release version of caffeine. You get the energy, you don't get the crash, all the good, none of the bad. Sounds too good to be true, but it's not. Check it out. And I'm going to give you a way to do so. The link is www.magicmind.com slash J-A-N for January, daily NBA, all one word www.magicmind.com slash NBA on this January Magic Mind is going to help you gear up to crush your 2024 New Year's resolutions fully focused. You get one month for free when you subscribing for when you subscribe for three months and with my code that will help you do that plus that code gives you an extra 20% off which ultimately if you do the math I'm going to do it right now that gets you a 75% off discount and Guess what, y'all? This only lasts until the end of January, so hurry up before it goes away. Okay, one more time. www.magicmind.com slash J-A-N daily NBA. Get on top of your New Year's resolutions. Get on it fully focused. Get on with Magic Mind. Tell them Corbin sent you. Will they know who I am? Eh, I don't know. But tell them Corbin sent you because that would make me feel good. One more time. Magicmind.com slash Jan daily NBA. Let's go, y'all. All right. This is no thanks to the NBA schedule makers who always seem to put marquee games where one of the teams is on a second night of the back-to-back, basically inviting teams to come out with lackluster energy or coaches to decide to arrest our players. Like The NBA schedule makers, in multiple instances, instances this season, have seemed to set up us fans to fail by watching basketball that could have been scheduled in a much better way between two great teams. But yesterday, despite the NBA's best efforts, we got a game that lived up to all of the hype. That's right. Top two in MVP. Joel Embiid. MV Embiid. As I was uh, talking with some folks on Twitter. Versus Nikola Jokic. Uh, Philadelphia 76ers versus the Denver Nuggets. 76ers 26-13 and 13 now. Nuggets are 28-14. and 14, And that is because the Sixers prevailed over the Nuggets. 126-121. to 121. It was a monster game. Uh, filled with monster numbers. And let's start with Joel Embiid. Who had... 41 points versus Houston on Monday. This is his first game back after he'd missed 10 days with left knee inflammation. So what does the NBA have? Okay, you're playing the very next day on Tuesday in an MVP MVP duel against Nikola Jokic. And what did Joel Embiid do? I don't know. Just casually dropped another 41 points. It was a fun game the entire run. The Sixers were back and forth. Nuggets kind of got control. Um... I'd say midway through the fourth quarter, end of the end, well, end of the third quarter, into the fourth quarter, and then the 76ers closed the game on a 21 to 10 run over the final eight and a half minutes, and Embiid single-handedly outscored Denver 11 to 10 during that stretch. Um, in addition to his 41 points, he also had seven rebounds and 10 assists. So Embiid, honestly, just putting in that work, and everything looks so simple for him. His passing is on a different level, and I think some of that's on the schematics of coach Nick Nurse and just putting him in a, in a good position to be, make great reads to Tyrese Maxey and others, but also he's just really showing great floor awareness. And I love that when he can sense the double team, when he can sense playing out the elbow, 
and, and seeing the defense kind of collapse or, or dig in a little bit and finding open shooters in the corner. I know early in the in the first half, um, early in the end of the first quarter, he had a great pass cross court from one corner to the other um, that Nicholas Batum, like in his standard set shot without actually dipping, caught, had to jump to catch the ball, land on his feet, put the ball over his head, shot the three, made the dang thing. Like, it's things like that. Embiid was just a monster, but it wasn't just him. Uh, Tyrese Maxey came up big, 25 points, 5 rebounds, 9 assists in 43 minutes, constantly put the pedal to the metal, kept Denver's defense running back, trying to exploit that in transition, whether getting all the way to the rim or finding open teammates or finishing for himself um, from 3. Just a really good game for him. Tobias Harris has had a great two-week stretch, and he's continued that. 24 points, 5 rebounds, and 4 assists in just under 40 minutes. Nick Batum, if you look at the stat line, yeah, 8 points, 4 rebounds, and 2 assists don't pop, but if you look at his activity and the way he played, oh, it really stands out. He has been a difference maker. Um, love that he's able to impact this Philadelphia 76ers team in a more impactful way than he probably was with the Clippers over the last year and a half. Um, Kelly Oubre Jr. Uh, took some dumb shots, I thought, but 11 points, 5 rebounds, did his part. Uh, Marcus Morris got some run, Pat Beverly got some run, and that was it for the 76ers. But the real story of the game was Joel Embiid, who just dominated at every faucet of the game. 41 points in 39 minutes. Like, he didn't even crack 40 minutes, which is really well done for him. For the Nuggets, uh, Nicole Jokic still played well, only had three assists. I think a lot of the junky, constant switch-up defense that the 76ers did kind of made it where Jokic had to kind of adjust each time, and great players usually do it, and Jokic was no exception, but definitely made him think about it for a bit, which I think was 76ers' entire goal. Um, but Jokic had 25 points, 19 rebounds, those only three assists. Michael Porter Jr., listen, he comes to score. That's it. 20 points, five rebounds, didn't get an assist, wasn't looking for it, right? Uh, Aaron Gordon had a good game, 16 points, six rebounds, and four assists for him, while Jamal Jamer- Murray had the only double-double for the Nuggets, 17 points and 10 assists with three rebounds. But off the bench, you did have good contributions from um, KCP, Reggie Jackson, and Christian Brown, double-digit scoring for each one, um, as well as multiple rebounds. But, yeah, 76ers just did too much. This was a game where offense was on display, y'all. Like, both teams shot better than 50% from the field. Both teams shot better than 40% from three. Both teams shot better than 72% from the free throw line. Uh, but ultimately, although the Nuggets definitely dominated the 76ers on rebounds, uh, 76ers got them right back on assists, on blocks, on steals, and less turnovers. So that's kind of the name of the game and the, and the difference between the two teams here. But what a game it was. I really thoroughly enjoyed watching that. Um, and and be now has a 30-plus point double-double streak, thanks to his 10 dimes, to 17 games. Uh, he had a run of 30-plus points and 10-plus rebounds, and that ended uh, at 16 last night. But now with this current run, only Wilt has a longer streak, four separate runs, the longest of 65 games, of a 30-10 in some capacity. Um, and as far as 18 straight 30-point games, only James Harden and Wilt Chamberlain have longer streaks in NBA history. James Harden has 32 Straight 30-point games, Will Chamberlain has had a 65 streak, which is insane. Um, and also, Embiid, another stat. Twice now, he has joined Allen Iverson, who did it 10 times, and Will Chamberlain, who did it three times, as the only 76er with multiple games with 40-plus points and 10-plus assists. Just monster. Like, in my mind, if you look at a, a seminal game where a player won the MVP award, this was the game for Joel Embiid for me. I mean, he's had a bunch of great games, but dominant all season, but this was the game. Now, that being said, the two clash again in 10 days. So we'll see if Jokic has an answer. We'll see if both teams are healthy and they play. You know, who knows what will be the situation 10 days from now. But as of right now, yeah, 
this was it for me. Another fun game. A game I didn't think was going to be that fun. I did think it was going to be fun to start with. And then it wasn't fun. I was like, wow, okay, Phoenix, what are you doing? And then all of a sudden, boom. Phoenix escapes with the victory 119 to 117 over the Sacramento Kings. The Suns overcame a 22 point fourth quarter deficit to do that. Since 1997 1998, this is the first time the Suns have won a game in which they have trailed by as many as 22 points in the fourth quarter. It's the first time any NBA team has overcome a 22 point fourth quarter deficit since 2020. That was Oklahoma City versus Miami back in. Um, August 12th of 2020, if you want to actually look that up. Uh, I looked it up on Twitter. I forgot who to credit, and I also forgot the exact number. But the stat before that was like 0 to 1,200 something games, where a team has been down 20 in the fourth quarter, and they've won the game. So congrats to the Suns. It was insane. Because uh, in the fourth quarter, with eight minutes left to play, Sacramento was up 109 to 87. And from that point on, the Suns outscored the Kings 32 to 8 with 12 of those points, including the game-winning free throws coming from Kevin Durant. Uh, Kevin Durant kept the Suns in late. He definitely came through big, but the guy who kept the Suns in it through most of that time, if you can call it a 20-point deficit, keeping them in it, was Grayson Allen, who scored a team-high 29 points, and he hit nine three-pointers, six in the first half. So I'm, I'm not really going to say he kept them in it because they were still down by a lot, but let's just say had he not made those uh, career-high uh, ninth or career-high nine three-pointers, um, yeah, they might have been down more. That's really what I'm going to go with because, wow. Um... De'Aaron Fox finished with the game-high 33 points, and he had a game-tying basket after they'd given up the lead with 18 seconds left, but Fox ultimately fouled Kevin Durant on a jumper with 1.6 seconds left to set up the game-winning free throws. So that was it for him. Good and obviously some bad. DeMondis Abonis posted his 11th triple-double of the season and his 43rd of his career, which ties Fat Lever for 11th all-time. Shout-out to Fat Lever, who was 6'3". Doing this in the 80s, in 90s. Well, most of the 80s, he retired in the early 90s. Among the bigs. Playing a lot with Denver, I think, ending his career with Dallas. But really solid play for that lever. Just shout out to him because he was the original triple-double machine um, I mean, after Oscar Robertson that nobody ever talks about. Um, but Sabonis, for his part, had 21 points, 10 rebounds, and 11 assists. And speaking of that, let's go through some of the numbers for the Kings first. Then we'll finish with the victors, the Suns. Darren Fox, again, 50% shooting all around, 60% from three. He was 12 of 24 from the field, 6 of 10 from three, 33 points, and 6 assists for him. You had 21 points from Sabonis, like I mentioned, on 81% shooting. Only missed two shots and made his only three. Um, I don't know. I think they should have went to him more late, but I think the Suns did a really good job of digging into making it hard for Sabonis. Um, Harrison Barnes, man, listen, I don't know. Like, I just think he probably needs to go. He's just not a good fit um, if he's not making his shots because he's not doing much else. Uh, at this point, he was a minus 11, eight points on three and nine shooting. Three rebounds and three assists, just not a whole lot there. Keegan Murray had 18 points, four rebounds and three assists, seven to 12 shooting, three of five from three. Uh, Kevin Herter uh, played okay, 10 points, three rebounds and two assists. And then Malik Monk off the bench, he's usually feast or famine. To, yes, last night he was more famine. 13 points, but on 16 shots, 31, 31% from the field, 28% from three. He did have eight assists, which is great. Um, but the real star off the bench for the Kings was Sasha Vizenkov who had 14 points on 6 of 9 shooting, 2 of 3 from 3, with 2 rebounds in 17 minutes of action. For the victors, for the Suns, obviously, the star, already mentioned him, Grayson Allen, 29 points, 5 rebounds, 6 assists, 10 of 17 from the field, red hot, he's been playing really good in Phoenix. Kevin Durant, 
27 points on 7 of 16, 4 or 8 from 3. Usually don't take that many threes in one game, so I'm actually happy. 9-9 uh, nine, nine for the free throw line, including the game winners. 5 rebounds, 4 assists for him. Yusef Nurkic, 10 points, 15 rebounds, and 3 assists on 4 or 5 shooting. Bradley Beal didn't have the greatest of games, 13 points on 14 shots. Uh, missed every one of the th four threes that he took, but he did have five assists. And then Devin Booker led the team with 11 assists, even though he had 16 points on 14 shots. Again, not efficient for him, but good play as well. Off the bench, Eric Gordon was the star of the Suns bench. 13 points, 23 minutes, 3 of 7 from 3, including the 3 that ultimately brought the Suns to tie with the Kings before taking the win, obviously, in the closing minutes. But that was it for the Suns. What a game for them. Um, and in this one, yeah, I think, listen, you definitely don't want to go down by that much, but to have the resiliency in the fight, especially when you spend most of the first half arguing with the refs and just showing lackluster effort, to come back, turn on the gears, and, and, and put on a, a, a thrilling finish, credit to the Suns. I mean, I, I guess it's always good to have Bradley Beal and Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, but like also the role players stepped up, their defense stepped up, and the Kings kept trying to go at Kevin Durant as if he is that guy to go at. And Kevin Durant's like, I'm not the one. Try it on your mama. Don't try it on me. Try it on somebody else. Don't try it on me. And Kevin Durant came up with big stops constantly, and that was the reason the Suns won. What a game for them. Last game of last night, uh, Paul George in the clutch came up huge as the Los Angeles Clippers Storm past Oklahoma City Thunder. Didn't really storm past them, just really put them away. Um, Paul George scored 18 of his season high, 38 points in the fourth. Also added seven rebounds, five assists, three steals, and six threes, which, while doing so, I might add, passed Paul Pierce for 12th all-time in three-pointers made. That's 2,149 threes. That is a lot. Kawhi Leonard and James Harden added 16 apiece, and Kawhi came up with a clutch block down the stretch. Uh, mind you, this was the game that was kind of nip and tuck. Clippers had control early, Thunder kind of came back, Thunder again on the second half of back-to-back, -back. again, NBA schedule makers, thank you so much for that, um, Clippers came up again, put some more distance, Thunder came back, chipped away at it, Clippers led by six with 90 seconds left, and then Paul George had a run, he called game on his own, he knocked down a contested three, that put LA up by nine, Thunder brought the game back down, SGA has the ball, Paul George comes from behind, picks his pocket, Goes back down in transition. Hits the reverse dunk. LA up 11. Thunder call timeout. Started for the Clippers leave. Game is over and done. That's it. George is like, all right, that's it, y'all. That's a wrap. Love to see the way George plays. Like, I love Kawhi's game. and He is the quote-unquote alpha. But George, man, has always had the smoother game in my mind. And when he gets it going, he's like few others. Defensively, the way he can impact it. Offensively, the way he can shoot from distance and range. The way he's able to kind of be fluid as he is uh, all over the court. Obviously, Kawhi is just as fluid. But I'm just saying, Paul George's style, to quote a uh, to quote an ill-fated Gatorade commercial, just smooth. Real smooth. <laughs> but um, really love to see that. Uh, for the Thunder... Jalen Williams led the way with 25 points and 7 assists. Um, SGA was held in check. Some of it, you could say he was tired. Second half of back-to-back, played long minutes both games. He was held to just 19 points. His third game, under 20 points the whole season, because he has been on a run. Um, but guess what? Doesn't get easier for the Thunder. They dropped both games of the LA Clippers-Lakers doubleheader in LA, and now they will complete their four-game road trip with stops in Utah, take on the Red Hot Jazz. The Jazz have won 15 of their last 19, and then they go to take on the number one. Yep, no typos there. Number one seeded right now, Minnesota Timberwolves. Both games should be fun games, but both games will definitely test the Thunder. Let's see how they bounce back after a couple of rough losses. All right, got some fun games tonight to look at. Uh, but one game I'm definitely going to be checking out 
NBA on ABC Wednesday. Still not going to use saying that. Uh, Luka Doncic, LeBron James, Tim Hardaway Jr. These are the big marquee names. Anthony Davis, of course. They will all be in L.A. tonight. Lakers and Mavs will clash. They also all score 40 points in the same game as teammates with Kyrie Irving. That's just Luka, LeBron, and Tim Hardaway. Um, That is funny to think about. LeBron and Kyrie did it in the finals in 2016. Luka and Kyrie did it March of last year. And then Tim Hardaway and Kyrie did it two days ago. So definitely going to be a fun game to watch. Um, I'm excited to see how the Lakers bounce back there. 0-2 against the Mavericks. We'll see if Luka plays. But we know that Tim Hardaway Jr. will come hopefully hot as he has been. And Kyrie has been on a heater since he's been back from his heel contusion injury. So that will be a fun one to watch. But let's also run through the other games that are happening tonight. All right, that's the marquee game. That's the game I'm really watching. Um, the other games that happen, um, all Colorado time, because I'm in Colorado, at 5 o'clock, Timberwolves will t- be taking on the Detroit Pistons. Detroit fresh off a win. Now they play the best in the West. 5.30, the Magic will be taking on the Atlanta Hawks. We'll see if the Atlanta Hawks can continue their winning ways after, you know, winning ways after winning one game against San Antonio on Martin Luther King Day. Uh, the Spurs will be taking on the Celtics at 5.30. The Rockets will be taking on the Knicks at 5.30. Also, the Bucks will be doing battle with the Cavaliers, and the Heat will be playing the Toronto Raptors. Then at 6, the Charlotte Hornets, I'll be watching that game, will be playing the New Orleans Pelicans. 6.30, of course, NBA on ABC Wednesdays, the Mavericks will be playing the Los Angeles Lakers. At 7, the Golden State Warriors will be doing battle with the red-hot Utah Jazz. And lastly, at 8 o'clock, the Brooklyn Nets will be playing the Portland Trailblazers. So a big slate of games. Um, 10 of them to be exact, uh, but I am definitely looking at Mavericks-Lakers game. I will also be looking at that Hornets-Pelicans game and Warriors-Jazz. Uh, I follow the Hornets, so that's going to be why I watch that. But also, we'll see how the Pelicans bounce back after a tough loss to Dallas on Martin Luther King Day. Uh, for the Warriors and Jazz, listen, Warriors need to snap out somewhere. If they get a good win against a hot Jazz team, this might be the beginning of a panacea that will eventually be completed after the trade deadline one way or another. But those are the games to watch tonight. All right, y'all, but that is it for this edition of Round Ball Ramble. Definitely thank y'all for tuning in. As always, make sure to follow me on Twitter at CorbinNBA, C-O-R-B-A-N-N-B-A. Definitely appreciate y'all for doing that. Channel Sports Ethos on Twitter at Sports Ethos, S-P-O-R-T-S-E-T-H-O-S. Thank you very much for doing that. And then one more time, y'all, check out Magic Mind. Get that code, www.magicmind.com slash J-A-N, daily NBA, all one word. Get you that 75% off. Only lasts through the end of January. Make sure to check that out. All right, y'all. It's been a great one. It's been a blast. Make it a great Wednesday. For myself, I am Frosty. Y'all stay Frosty, and I will talk to y'all tomorrow. All right, y'all.